Hey, this is Kerwin Santiago, pastor of Social Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today, and I pray that this message blesses you and helps you grow in your faith to become more like Jesus. this morning. Father, I ask you to bless this time. I ask you to speak to us as we get ready to receive from you. Because we know, Lord, that it's not man that's talking. It's you, God, talking through man to us. And so we get ready, Lord, and we lend you our ears today so that we can hear what you have to say. Holy Spirit, speak and move. In your name we pray this. Amen and amen. You may have your seat. Today we're going to try and answer the question, why would God use me? And I'll be honest with you, that's a question that I've asked myself many times. But listen, I want to give you a story that we find in the Bible, in the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. And you don't have to go there now, maybe you want to look at it later for reference. But we see the story of Gideon, and I don't know, maybe you know Gideon. But the Bible tells us that Gideon was a man who God called to use for a special purpose. Now, in the time that God calls Gideon, the Bible says that the Israelites had done evil in the eyes of the Lord. In other words, they had been sinning against God. And for seven years, he gave them into the hands of their enemies who were the Midianites, say with me Midianites, the Midianites were Israel's enemies. And because the power of Midian, of the enemy, was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters, listen, for themselves. That's what the Bible says, in mountain clefts. And caves and strongholds. In other words, they had hiding places to go when their enemies came to attack. So whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites, their enemies, and the Amalekites and other eastern peoples, they would come and they would invade their country. And so these enemies, they camped on the land of Israel and they ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel. The Bible says neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. Anybody would have, would have been afraid. So they came up with their livestock and their tents. They came like swarms of locusts. In other words, they were many and they devoured all things. And it was impossible to count them or their camels. Because they came on them and they invaded the land to ravage it. I don't know if you can just visualize that. But these are the Israelite people. They're being bullied by their enemies. And the Bible says that Midian, their enemy, so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. In other words, they just couldn't stand it anymore. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of their enemy, Midian, he sent them a prophet. Now, I don't know about you, but that's not what I want when I need help. You know what I'm saying? When my enemy is beating me up, I don't need a prophet to come and give me a word. I need somebody to go and beat him up. But God sent a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. 
I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians. And I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you. And I gave you their land. I said to you, I am your Lord God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live in. But you have not listened to me. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak of the Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite. And where, and he said, where is Gideon? Or, or where Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon, in the midst of all this oppression from the enemies coming in and taking everything, here is this man named Gideon, and he is in the wine press. He is working, and he is afraid. Gideon was afraid. So when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But I want you to notice Gideon's response. Because Gideon's response is important in what we're going to talk about today. Gideon said, excuse me? Who are you talking to? Because it can't be me. Gideon definitely didn't think he was a mighty warrior. So he said, pardon me, excuse me, my Lord. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go. In the strength you have, and save Israel out of Midian's hand, am I not sending you? And Gideon again says, excuse me, Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I want you to get this because Gideon was hiding from the Midianites, and he was doing his job in the wine press. But the Lord said, mighty warrior to him. Listen, Gideon was hiding, but God showed up and said, you are a mighty warrior. God called him something he had no clue was in him. But yet, when Gideon responds, he asked the Lord, if God, you are real and you are all powerful. And you really did all those things that our ancestors say that you did to save us from the Egyptians. Then why is it that we are being oppressed by the enemy? Why is it that we are living under these oppressive conditions and impoverished? And God doesn't answer him directly. But he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to raise you up. As a mighty warrior. And you will be my instrument to defeat the enemies. But Gideon, Gideon thought he wasn't strong enough. Gideon thought that he wasn't brave enough. In fact, he considered himself to be the weakest of his clan or of his family. And I want you to know this because, in other words, Gideon is asking, why, God, would you use me? God, why? Out of everybody that you can use, why would you use me? Maybe you've asked yourself that question at some point. 
But the first thing I want you to know is that when we think of Gideon and his response to God about his call, that reminds us, maybe if we've been to church for a while, of another man named Moses. And Moses was a man who was called by God, but he also responded with some reserves to God. In the Bible, in Exodus chapter 4, we see Moses' response. And Moses had heard the voice of God. God told Moses, I'm going to use you to deliver my people from the Egyptians. And Moses, you know what Moses said? What happens if they don't believe me? What happens if they don't believe that I came in the power and in the word of God? And you know what God said to him? I'm going to show you some signs. And God showed him some signs, miraculous signs. That should have been enough to convince Moses that he was calling him to use him. But the reality is that it wasn't. Because after seeing those miracles that God showed him to say, this is how you're going to prove to them that I am with you. Moses says, wait, wait, wait a minute. I can't talk. So he comes up with another excuse. And in verse 10, he says, pardon your servant, Lord, but I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And so now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. Listen, I want you to get this, because after God told Moses what to do, Moses told God he couldn't do it, because he had a speech problem. Now Moses had an insecurity say with me insecurity maybe it produced in him some kind of low self-esteem maybe he just didn't like that part about himself you know like when there's a girl that she's beautiful but she thinks she's ugly you know what I'm saying or when a guy thinks you know that he's just not good enough but in reality he is this is what probably Moses was facing. Moses might have been insecure about something that made him the way he was and made him reject God's calling upon his life. But listen, sometimes our insecurities can grow out of things that really don't exist. Maybe, maybe we might have an insecurity about something that is real, but maybe we allow it to become an obstacle when it shouldn't become one. I want to tell you this morning that insecurities come from fear of what people might say or that we won't be enough. Sometimes we're insecure because we just feel like we can't accomplish what God has called us to do. And I heard someone say one time that the enemy will attack you or he will wound you in the area where God wants to use you. Listen, the enemy will attack you and he will wound you in the area that God wants to use you. I don't know at what point in Moses' life Moses got that stutter or that problem with his speech. But whatever happened in his life that traumatized him, whether he was born with it or not, that thing wasn't of God. 
that thing wasn't of God. Because when God called them, he knew his problem. He knew his condition. He knew his weakness. But yet God called them. And even after Moses pointed it out, God said, listen, who gave you your mouth? Wasn't it I, the Lord, who gave it to you? You see, I want you to know this because a lot of times many of us are living and going about our lives insecurely. We're insecure about our weaknesses. We're insecure about those things that we don't like about ourselves. And a lot of times we only see what we want to see. A lot of times we don't see what God sees or what other people see in us. Like for instance, right now I can see all of you, but I can't see myself. Listen, I can see all of you, but I can't see myself. Just like you can see everybody around you, but you can't see yourself. And I want you to know that a lot of times when we're looking around, we're seeing everybody else and we're seeing everybody else's strength. And we're seeing everybody else and what they're doing. But we don't see who we are. The only one that sees us is God. And our insecurity grows out of what we see in others that we can't see in ourselves. Listen, just like for many of us, we can't see ourselves or the way God sees us, we would ask, why would God use me? Why would God use Moses? And you know why God used Moses? Do you know why God used Moses? Because Moses was a meek man. The Bible says he was a humble man. Moses, God, Mo Moses was used by God because he was humble. Now God, I want you to know, would rather use somebody who's humble than somebody who's prideful. Because it's easier, easier to raise somebody up than it is to tear somebody down. When you got a prideful person, man, I'll tell you what, it's hard to tear that person down. Because that person has this confidence in themselves that nobody can take away. It takes something drastic in their life to bring them to the ground. But when you got somebody humble, all it takes is for God to show up and show them that I can use you and I can do something in your life no matter what weakness you might have. And all that person has to do is put their confidence in God. But can I tell you also this morning that sometimes being way too insecure can be an obstacle to being used by God? Because you can go to the other extreme. And I'll tell you, being way too insecure and having a low self-esteem that is way too low is also an obstacle to God. And I see it as sometimes it being pride itself. Because when somebody is super and extremely insecure in themselves, that means that they view their own opinion above everybody else's opinion. And even God's. In other words, they think, my truth is the only truth and nobody else's truth matters. That's pride. I don't know about you, but that's pride also. It looks humble, but it's not humble. And what I want you to know is that God uses insecure people. Not extremely insecure, but he does use insecure people because most of the time they're humble. Humble people are open to being used by God. You know why? Because when God uses them, the first thing they do is give glory to God for the things he has done. And they put their trust in him to be used by him. 
Some people think that putting confidence or that having confidence in oneself is necessary in order to accomplish something. And I can't tell you how far from the truth that is. You know, some people say, you know, just if you just believe in yourself enough, you can do anything. That's a lie. If you just believe in yourself. Listen, I, I used to watch American Idol. And I know that a lot of people came to try out for American Idol. And in their mind, they believed in themselves. They believed they could sing. And they got up there. When they opened up their mouth, you realize, listen, they believed it, but it wasn't true. And no matter how much they believed, they couldn't get themselves to sing better. Listen, belief doesn't make you achieve the purposes of God. Belief in yourself does not allow you to achieve the purposes of God. The one thing that we need is not belief in ourselves, it's belief in God. I want you to turn to somebody and tell them, you got to put your confidence in God, not in yourself. Come on, tell them you got to put your confidence in God and not in yourself. Because God wants to use you even with your insecurities, even with your weaknesses. The way you are, God wants to use you and he is calling you. I don't know if anybody can say amen to that. Listen. God not only uses the insecure, he also uses the unlikely. On one occasion, God sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint the future king of Israel. And you know the story of David. Maybe you don't know it completely. But he sends the prophet to David's father's house named Jesse. And the Bible says that in reality, God did not tell Samuel who he was. He didn't tell him what his name was. And you would think as a prophet, he would know. You would think that as a prophet that hears the voice of God, that he would know who he was. But the Bible tells us in verse 6 and 7 of chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, that when Samuel gets to the house, he sees the first son of Jesse, Eliab, and when he saw him, he thought to himself, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. In other words, he saw him and he said, that's got to be the man. You know why he thought that? Because here's what the Bible says. He thought that because of his appearance and his height. And the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. Or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Because man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. Not only does God use the insecure. I came to tell you this morning that God uses the unlikely. Those that everybody else looks past. And those that everybody else looks over. God looks at. Because God does not look at what man looks at. God looks at the heart. See, Samuel was looking for the obvious. But God chose the unlikely. You see, I don't, and I don't blame Samuel for his way of thinking because I believe that we all do that. I believe that all of us at some point or another, we go by what we see. In fact, if we're not God, 
That's how we make judgments. As human beings, we go by the things that we see with our eyes. But can I tell you this morning that not everything that glitters is gold? You know that. Not everything that glitters is gold. Because people get deceived all the time. People get deceived all the time. And Samuel saw Eliab and he thought he's tall, he's strong, he definitely has to be the one God has chosen. But God said, no, 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 I don't look at what you look at, I see the heart, I have rejected him. You see, the moment he saw him, nobody else had a chance. He thought, this is it. Everybody else was overlooked because of his appearance. And whatever we look at, Here's the truth. We're attracted to it. But God doesn't look that way. Meaning that there's something more important than looks. Am I talking to anybody here this morning? There's something more important than looks. God is not shallow and he's not superficial. You see, I want you to know, Samson chose a wife. Because he saw her and she looked attractive. But because of his choice, based on what he saw, he ended up blind without eyes and dead. David saw Bathsheba. She looked beautiful and pleasing. But listen, he ended up committing adultery, murder, and he lost his child. I want you to know that looks can be deceiving. Lot, when he was going to separate from Abraham, the Bible says that he saw the land and it was pleasing to his eyes. And the same land that was pleasing to him was the same land that God got ready to destroy with fire. And he lost his wife and almost his daughters. And Judas betrayed Jesus. But Jesus knew he was going to betray him. He didn't fool Jesus. Jesus could see his heart. But the disciples around them were fooled. They couldn't believe what had happened. And I want you to know that in the same way, listen, God sees different than we see. What you see might be attractive, but what God sees is not the outward appearance. He sees the heart inside because what's more important than appearance is the heart. Mm. Companies hire the wrong people all the time based on skills. And then they realize they have the wrong heart. Listen, churches are deceived all the time by people that have these special gifts, spiritual gifts. But then they realize they don't have the right heart. See, you might not realize it right now, but there's something that's more important than skills, talents, gifts, and appearance. It's called heart. And that's what God looks for. That's why God can use the unlikely. Because a lot of people will go based on what they see. They'll go based on skills. But God, when he looks at somebody, he can see beneath all that stuff. God can see the true heart of a person. And listen, thank God that God saw it that way. Because when God saw David, he didn't see his appearance. Even though he was a good looking man, that's what the Bible says. But he saw beyond his appearance. He saw his heart. And he saw that he had a heart according to his. And he knew if this one has a heart like mine, he can do my will and fulfill the call that I have for him I want you to know this morning 
Not only can God use the insecure, God uses the unlikely. And also, as we look in the Bible, you know, and you see that not only does God use the insecure, does God use the unlikely, God also uses the broken. There was this one time after Jesus had told his disciples that they were going to leave him when it came time to go to the cross. Peter, you know Peter. Peter said to Jesus, I will never leave you, Lord. And he said it with such a confidence. But Jesus sees the heart. And Jesus told Peter, no, listen, you will deceive me. You, you will betray me. Before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And Peter said, never, Lord, never. And the Bible says that when Jesus was arrested, the people were around and they saw Peter. They probably heard him talking. He had that accent from a Gal like a Galilean. And they said, aren't you one of those that walk with Jesus? And the Bible says that he denied it. He was afraid. And I'm pretty sure, like in some versions, it says that he even cursed. Like just to prove his point, I'm going to show you I'm not one of them. And he did this twice. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, verse 60, that the third time when he was confronted, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And listen to what the Bible says in verse 62. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. You see, some people like Peter have this denied Jesus in some way or another. Maybe you've denied him at your job, school, or someplace. While other people were around you and with you, you've denied him maybe not in the way that Peter denied him, but maybe you've denied him by sinning in some way. Maybe you've denied him by acting like you don't know him. Like you're not a believer, like you're not a Christian. And sometimes this reaction takes place in our hearts because the fear is real. We become afraid of what people might say. We become afraid of what people might do. But no matter what you have done to deny Jesus, whether in deed or in word, I want to let you know that there's forgiveness for you. Because the Bible says that Peter, once he realized that he had denied Jesus, he went outside and he wept bitterly. Weeping was a sign of repentance. In other words, Peter had realized that he had failed God. And when he realized it and he recognized his wrongdoing, he broke before God. And a process of restoration 
began in his life. I don't know who you are this morning and what you've been through this morning, but I want to let you know that God can also use the broken. You see, it doesn't matter how many times you've sinned or what you have done. If you recognize your wrongdoing, if you recognize your sin and you come to God and you fess up and you stop blaming others and pointing the finger at others, you recognize and accept responsibility for what you have done. There is a place for restoration in God's house. And I love this story because... The Bible tells us that after Jesus resurrected, he appeared to his disciples. And that morning of the resurrection, he had breakfast with them. What an awesome breakfast that must have been. And the Bible says that when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And Peter replied and he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But Jesus responded, you feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And the third time, three times, say with me three times. Again, he turned to Peter and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And the Bible says that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Peter was hurt. I don't know if you understand. Peter was broken. And he said, Lord, you know all things. In other words, Peter was saying, you can see the heart. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. See, Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him three times if he loved them more than the others. And some might say that when he said, do you love me more than these? He could have been saying, do you love me more than you love the other brothers? But in reality, what he was saying is, do you love me more than they love me? And sometimes in our lives when we get to a point where we fail, where we've sinned, and we look at our brokenness, and we look at our failures, and we look at our shortcomings, it's hard to be able to tell God, God, I love you. Because the enemy will put this thing in our head and say, you don't love God because look at how you live. Look at how you failed. The enemy will condemn and bring that condemnation to our hearts to make us feel you can't be part of what God wants to do anymore in your life or in his kingdom. And I want you to know that no matter what had happened with Peter, Jesus still had a calling over his life. Just like he has a calling over your life, no matter what you have done, even in the midst of your brokenness I want you to know that he can see your heart and he knows the reality that even when you've messed up you still love the Lord and today he's here this morning and he's calling you and he's saying do you love me because if you do 
that have served me. That's her. God wants to use you. And he will use you especially after you have been broken. Because he knows that out of your brokenness, life will flow. Life will flow. I don't think you can mess up bigger than what Peter messed up. But yet after that, Jesus called him on the day of Pentecost. And Peter preached one of the greatest sermons in the history of the church. Peter, the insecure. Peter, the unlikely. Peter, the broken, was used by God to preach forgiveness. You know why? Because if anybody could preach forgiveness, Peter could preach it because he had experienced it. I came to tell somebody this morning what you have been through is not a coincidence. God can use it for his glory. That reminds me of a story of this man who had two pots, two big pots. And he put these two pots at the two extremes of this rod. And he carried the rod on his shoulder. And this man worked for his boss who had this farm. And on this farm there was a creek. And this man's job was to go to the creek, fill the pots with water, and bring it back to the house. The problem was that one of the pots had cracks in it. And every time he would make that walk from the creek back to the house, the pot with the cracks in it would lose half the water. One day, the pot with the cracks was so ashamed of his imperfections that he said to the man who carried him, listen, I apologize because of my cracks. I spill half of the water that you intend to carry and bring to your boss. And for that reason, you can't fulfill your job to the fullest. And the man said to the pot with cracks, listen, you don't have to apologize. I'm going to show you something back on the way to the house. And so the man is at the creek, and he fills both pots. And on the way back, he tells the pot with cracks, I want you to notice all the flowers on the path to the house. And so as they make their way to the house, the pot with cracks does exactly what the man tells him. He looks at all the beautiful flowers that had grown on this path on the way to the house. When he got to the house, the pot with cracks, again, was only halfway full. And he said to the man again, I'm so sorry. And the man turned to the pot with cracks and said, did you notice the flowers? on the path as we came here. And the pot with cracks said, yes, I did. He said, I want you to know that the flowers that grew only grew on your side. Did you notice that the only side they grew on was on your side? He said, you know why that is? He said, because I knew that you had cracks. And so I planted seeds on your side of the path. So that when the water spilled through your cracks, those seeds would get water and those flowers would grow. Those flowers that grow on that path 
are the flowers that I take and I put in the secret room where I pray when I go to do my devotions with God. Those flowers produce a beautiful aroma in that place that bring me into the presence of God. And if it wasn't for those flowers, I would not be able to do that. Peter Price had a purpose. And the man said, I knew it all along. Just like God knows about our shortcomings. And he knows about our weaknesses. And he knows about our cracks. But God says, I can still use you. I can use you to be a blessing to others. And I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about here. But in my life, I was able to experience this at one point. I didn't think that God could ever use me with my weaknesses and my shortcomings. Listen, I shouldn't be up here standing in front of you preaching the word of God. I was shy. I didn't talk to anybody. I would lock myself in the room when visitors came when I was young. But God had a calling over my life. And he said, I'm going to use you. And I said, God, no, you're not. And God said, oh, yes, I am. Even in your weaknesses, even with your shortcomings, I can use you. And years later, after responding to God's call, not based on confidence that I had on myself, but on confidence that I put in God. I have been able to see the glory of God and blessing lives, not because of me, but because of who he is. And I came to tell somebody here this morning, God can use you too. It's never too late. You can never be too old or you can never be too young. You can never have sinned enough for God not to be able to use you. God uses the insecure, he uses the unlikely, and he uses the broken. Stand to your feet. I say this morning, so what, Pastor, what is it that God wants to do through me? Okay, I get it. He, he can use me, just as I am. He can use me. My weaknesses, my shortcomings. Here I am. What is it that he's going to do? Because I don't even know what my purpose is. Maybe you don't even know what your calling is. You might be asking this morning, so what is it? that you want to do. I don't know. If you're here this morning and you say, I, I want to know. Do you want to know what it is that God wants to do through you? Raise your hand if, you, if this morning you say, I want to know what it is that God wants to do through me. I, I'm ready. I, just like I am, I, I'm willing. I get it. I'm here. God, and I want to know. I want to know what it is that you can do through me. to do through you 
have to step out to find out. That means you got to take a step of faith. You got to put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And you got to say, God, I might not feel ready. I might not feel like I'm capable. I might not feel like I'm qualified. But I'm going to step out in faith. And I'm going to give myself to you. Here I am. Use me, God. In your brokenness. In your hurts. God calls you out. He says, there's nothing impossible for me. I can use you just as you are. If you can just trust. Take a step of faith. Step out this morning and say, here I am, God.
is in your hands, Lord. So use me as you will. I give myself. together this morning for Jesus. If you want to find out how God can use you, can I give you a very practical way to do it? Stay after service for 30 minutes. Come to Access Social and learn what it is that God can do through you. God wants to use you. It doesn't have to be tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. He can do it with you today, just as you are. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those who give. I hope you enjoyed the podcast, and if you did, please subscribe, share, take a screenshot, tag us, and I'll see you next time.